Welcome to another episode of Romans Untangled, the podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so that we can enjoy its beauty. This is Season 1, Episode 14. What advantage is there in being a Jew, then? From Romans 3, 1-8. Is there any advantage in being Jewish? If everyone is a sinner, was there any real point to the whole Old Testament story about Israel? What actually made them special? Today on Romans Untangled, we'll look at that very issue from Romans chapter 3. Welcome, everybody. This is Pastor Steve Treichler again from Hope Community Church, downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota. I hope you're having a great spring. It's nice up here, very rainy today this morning. But uh, I hope you're I hope you're doing well wherever you are at. We've been opening our first season with just helping folks that are maybe brand new to the Bible, and that's kind of one of my passions. Every one of us started there at one time, just helping them to understand what are ways we can study the Bible and and I hope that they've been helpful to you. I want to talk about two more. We have one more episode this uh, season. In in that episode, I want to talk about a Bible study tool, and in this one as well. Uh, I want to talk about, this time, cross-references. Cross-references are basically exactly what they sound like. They are references in other places of the Bible from different books of the Bible about that are similar in nature to what you uh, are studying or looking at in 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 whatever you're reading, and and this will uh, come more naturally as you become more familiar with the Bible. Obviously, right? Just just think about this. If you if you are watching a movie and you're you're familiar with a lot of movies and you see a scene and it just seems very similar to another scene in another movie or another way that they handled it or the dialogue was similar or in fact, sometimes movies even quote other movies uh, for jokes, that kind of a thing and and you think that's really cool. I realize I picked that up that they're doing that. And that happens a lot in the Bible. The Bible kind of the, some of the authors of the Bible had had read different portions of the Bible and actually kind of making a comment on it. If you've been going to Hope Community Church this spring, you could. We went through the Book of Hebrews, and it really is a commentary, and it's a cross cross. That's hard to say. <laughs> cross reference of much of the Old Testament, and so he's quoting a lot of the Old Testament, and then he's making comments on it. So this will come naturally as you start to know your Bible better. But but how do you start before that? How do you, what do you do? And let me give you just uh, three more ways besides just kind of reading your Bible and getting to know it. Um, what, what uh, three other ways? First one, in your Bible, in most Bibles, I shouldn't say all Bibles, but, but a lot of Bibles, if it's any kind of study Bible or it has any kind of helps whatsoever, there generally are little footnotes and sometimes there's even a center column in your Bible. You'll have one column where there's passages of Scripture, then a center kind of narrow column, and then another uh, uh, column where there's a more Scripture. And in that center column, there'll be these little verses. And those are cross-references. In other words, th- this is similar to something over here, okay? And so you can look those up. Another one is a book called The Treasury of Scripture Knowledge, or there's an updated version. I believe it's called The New Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. This was uh, when I came to faith in the 80s. uh, This was the book that we all picked up. 
Now you can just access it online for free at some of your Bible study Bible, uh, uh, you know, Bible study uh, places. I think BlueLetterBible.org has it. Another BlueLetterBible.org is okay for cross references, but let me give you into my third one, which is OpenBible.info. I think for cross referencing purposes, this particular Bible study website is probably better than the Blue Letter Bible. Uh, and I really do like Blue Letter Bible as far as uh, being an online resource. But openbible.info is really helpful. So I'm just going to give you an example here. If I, I went to openbible.info and I just type in there where it says, put in a, a, a reference or put in a passage, I put in John chapter 1, verse 1. And that verse says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there's a whole, just just letting terp, let letting scripture interpret scripture. What they're going to do is they're kind of going to go for these concepts. First of all, the concept of beginning. So where do they go? Well, of course they go to John one one. Right in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so that's interesting that John starts his gospel the same way the Bible begins. Right. So see what we got there just by knowing a simple cross reference, and it's right here on my screen that I got from this simple this simple. Um, uh, Bible study website. But then we'd also would kind of go in, want to look at the word word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Well, that's, what does this word word mean? Well, there's a lot of ways. Remember, we've talked about how do we study words and there's, that's a great way to, to look that up and we can use blue letter Bible to do that. But just if we start to um, look at some of the more, more of the passages that are around for that, this is where it starts to become helpful in us thinking more about this concept. And all of a sudden we look here and we see that right later in the book of John, we see the the word word is again used, John 1, 14. So if we're just studying verse one and we can, now we immediately can go down to verse 14 and it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So immediately, a simple cross-reference, even later in the same book, helps us. And that's the best kind of cross-reference because it's referring in the same in the same book. It helps us know that in the beginning was Jesus, right? And, the, and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. However, he doesn't say Jesus here. He's using a concept of the word. And there's something he's trying to get across. And that leans back into our study of why would he do that? Why use this word, word? And that leans into a study of of, um, trying to understand more about this word, word. And if you look at it, it's the word logos. And there's all kinds of of meaning that would come out of that. But again, that goes back to that Bible study tool when we talked about looking at words. But if we look here at, um, in the book of Hebrews, I'm just scrolling down on this whole long list of uh, and the nice thing about this is they don't just give you the verses. They actually put the verses right in little boxes and you can see them. Hebrews 1, 8 through 13 uh, says, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. And uh, you have loved wickedness and hated... Excuse me. <laughs> That's a bad quote. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And he goes on and on here to talk about this incredible nature of Jesus. And so I, if I were intrigued by that, I would want to go to Hebrews chapter 1 and kind of look at all the more, more of the ways that 
Christ is talked about uh, eternally. If I go to Col- the book of Colossians, and it says this in Colossians 1.17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And it's talking about Jesus again. And so, again, you could even go back to Colossians chapter 1 and say, wow, who is this Jesus, this eternal one, the one that always was, he was there all the time, and he holds all things together. And, and Colossians chapter 1 has a, a rich uh, understanding and a rich, rich they, they call it a Christology, just meaning a study of Christ, of who he is. And then we come back and we go over to John chapter 1, and it just says, in the beginning was the Word. This, this, this Word, capital W, the, the author or the, uh, the translators translate it, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's just beautiful to, to be able to get some simple cross-references. It's, it's a great little Bible study tool that will help you uh, for, for a long, long time. Okay, let's get into our passage for today. And today, uh, I don't think we're going to have hardly any time at all to do cross-references because we have so much in this passage. I got to remind you where we've been from. If you were here, I think it was three times, two times ago, excuse me, I mean, no, it was three times ago, we looked at Romans 2, 5 through 11, and there was this whole thing about if you judge others, but you do the same things, really leaning into the religious people, uh, the Jewish people, and then he ends that passage by saying, for God does not show favoritism. And you're, if you're a Jewish person, your, your ears should have perked up and said, wait a minute, yeah, he does. And then it goes on to say that uh, in chapter... Uh, chapter 2, verses 12 to 16, it talks about the Jews and the Gentiles both have law, but it looks differently. The The Jew has the explicit, written, encountered of God, handed down from God himself in an objective way, very objective way, uh, law of God. The Gentile has this has the law of God, not as nuanced, not as clear, Certainly not as objective. It's written on their hearts, it's called up, but they have a law. They both have law, and so therefore, because they both break these laws, they're they're equal. So then last time, we looked at the issue uh, in Romans chapter 2, 17 to 19, and we looked at what actually is it that that about this uh, that makes a person uh, right with God. And our big point last time, <clears throat> excuse me, was to say, if you're leaning into religion, and that's what the Jewish people were, and especially the issue of circumcision, and if that whole thing is relatively new to you from a religious perspective, especially from a Judeo-Christian understanding, go back and listen to that podcast, uh, you're, you're in big trouble, he's saying. That's not what makes a person actually right with God, is not their religion, it's a relationship with the living Christ. Okay, well, that then leads us to Romans chapter 3, verse 1. If you're reading the Apostle Paul correctly, he's going to ask in the book of Romans, and this is going to be our first time I think that we've seen this so far, he's then going to ask a question that, that you should ask. And the question is, Romans 3, 1, what advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? In other words, what's the point of this whole thing if everyone's just made to be a sinner and they all need equally need Jesus Christ? What, what difference does all this make? And let me tell you something. If you're asking that question, you're reading Paul right. 
right? What advantage is there being a Jew? And you should actually say, you should be thinking at this point in time in the reading of the book, there is no advantage in being a Jew, right? That is exactly where the Apostle Paul is reading. I want to read a little bit from Douglas Moo's Encountering the Book of Romans. This is super helpful. So let me read this to you. Quote, Romans is full of traps for the unweary, one wary reader. Just when we think we've understood what the letter is teaching, the argument takes an unexpected turn, and once again we are left puzzled and uncertain. Of course, this is one of the glories of Romans. No book capable of being understood on a first reading is likely to hold our attention or to stimulate our thinking for very long. Romans requires many readings. Even then we feel like there are points in the letter that still escape our gaze. The beginning of Romans 3 is one of those surprising turns in the argument. By the end of Romans 2, we think we have understand, understood Paul's basic point. Gentile and Jew stand on the same footing before God. Both have been given revelation about God. Both have failed to live up to that revelation. Both stand under God's wrath. And so when Paul asks in chapter 3, verse 1, what advantage then is there in being a Jew? We are ready to answer none. But what does Paul answer? Much in every way, he says in chapter uh, 3, verse 2. Paul's unexpected response forces us to look more deeply at the nature of his argument in Romans 2. And when we do so, we realize that God has relativized the Jews' position compared to the Gentiles at only one point. Both stand in need of additional help if they are to escape God's judgment. Yet Paul knows that we might draw the wrong conclusion from what he has taught in chapter 2. And so he warns against false conclusions. And as we will see, he continues also to emphasize that the Jews' real privileges are also limited, unquote. And that's from uh, Douglas Moo's Encountering the Book of Romans. Uh, that's page 56, okay? So what we think he was going to say here is there's no advantage, but if we, when we go to chapter 2, it says this, much in every way. <laughs> that's exactly what we don't expect him to say. And then he says this, first of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. Okay, let's just stop at verse two. We're only gonna do, uh, we're only gonna do eight verses today, so let's just stop at verse two right now. And again, this is one of those times, if you go way back, I don't know, 10 episodes ago or so, the Apostle Paul had talked about this, where he said, first, First, doesn't when we say that in English and you hear a teacher say something like that, we are expecting a second and a third and a fourth. And that's not, it's, it's actually poorly translated in my opinion. I, I think it should say this, much in every way of primary importance, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. Okay, the, the, and, and there are times it can be translated first, second, third in certain in certain situations. However, that's not what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's trying to say, what's the big deal? All right. So what was the big deal? This was the big deal. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with, and here's the key, the very words of God. Okay. So the Jewish people were, were not given just the law that was written on their hearts. They were actually given more than that. They were given an encounter with 
the living God, if you start in Genesis 12 and keep going on, and I, I'm hoping to release next week uh, this special podcast on the first 11 chapters of Genesis to kind of walk through that. That's before the beginning of Israel. But from Genesis 12 on, we now have the Jewish nation, starting with Abraham. And there are special encounters with God. There are miracles done. There are commands given, and ultimately there's the deliverance from, from slavery in Egypt. They come out, they go through the Red Sea, another massive miracle, and they are led out there and they are given the law of God, 613 commands, which are explicitly the word of God, actual, objectively, written down, heard, communication from God from multiple people it's 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 it, that is the that's the advantage now look at all Paul what he's going to say next let's go to verse 3 well what if them were what if some of them uh what if some meaning the Jewish people what if they were unfaithful will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness not at all is the way this version translates it, and I'm in the new, uh, I believe this time I'm in the new international version. Not at all, uh, the Apostle Paul says. Um, Let God be true and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail uh, when you judge. Okay, and so he is quoting a a passage here uh, from the Old Testament, and this is one of those cross-reference cases. So I can see that it's the way it's written in the Bible. It looks like he's quoting, and he's quoting from the Old Testament. And I go over to the little footnote. In my case, I can just hover over it. And it tells me that this is quoting from Psalm 51, verse 4. So he's going back to Psalm 51. If you look at Psalm 51, it's a, it's a prayer of David to God after he has sinned with Bathsheba. And he is talking about, even though I have sinned, it doesn't make you any less faithful. In other words, if God provides this covenant and it's supposed to be this covenant of blessing, you'll be my treasured possession. If you follow me, you will, all these blessings will come. You will stay in the land. Uh, You'll get descendants like crazy who will be followers of me. All of that, if you are, if, big if, you obey this law that I have explicitly given to you, well, guess what? They never do. They never do. Moses doesn't even get fully down off the mountain. In Exodus chapter 32, and they're already building a golden calf, a new God to worship. They break the first commandment, okay? So that never happens. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is, okay, they got this explicit law. They got communications with God. They had a relationship with God, unlike other nations, and yet they completely blew it. In fact, they were unfaithful. And does that nullify the faithfulness of God, though? And I love Paul's answer. He says, not at all. Okay, so uh, that actually, the, the literal translation, I'm going to be a geek here for a minute. I went to four years of seminary. I get to be a geek a little bit. Uh, the, 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 it's me genoito, genoito. It's the way you say it, me genoito. And there's a translation of the Bible. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, okay? So it's it, totally inaccurate, all right, in, in a sense. It was written by a man called Clarence Jordan. He wrote a version of the Bible called the Cotton Patch Version. He wrote it from 1968 to 1973. It was written for the for the Southerner. It was written uh, if, in, in Georgia, right? 
And so he speaks in a very strong vernacular. Let me quote a couple things that, from his translation of the Bible. Uh, Matthew 2, when, when uh, the, the angel comes and says to, to Joseph, you've got to escape because someone's going to try to kill Jesus. It says this, Matthew 2, 13, it says, after they had checked out, <laughs> the Lord's messenger made connection with Joseph in a dream and said, get moving and take your wife and baby and highball it to Mexico, right? <laughs> um. Or when he's talking about Jesus uh, filling, you don't put new wines in new wineskins, right? He just says, I'm going to retranslate that so people get it in Georgia in the, in, the, in the 70s. He says, nor do people put new tubes in old bald tires. If they do, the tires will blow out and the tubes will be ruined and the tires will be torn up. But they put new tubes in new tires and both give good mileage. Okay, so you see where he's going with this thing? <laughs> he's not actually looking for accuracy. He's just trying to get the emotion of the passage and translate it to people, just regular people. Well, let me tell, let me read how he translates then uh, this verse where it says, what if some of them were unfaithful? Chapter, uh, chapter three of Romans, verse three. Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Here's what he says. He says, all right, so some of them are hypocrites. Does their hypocrisy nullify God's sincerity? Hell no. <laughs> I think actually hell no is probably your best translation of the word meganoito. <laughs> Paul is really getting after this idea here. and He's just saying, you got to understand, if that's what you think, that because we're unfaithful, God will stop to be faithful, that never will happen. Hell no, he's saying. And I just love that. And so that's what's going on here. Now let's move ahead here. Because one of the biggest questions in the book of Romans is this question about, wait a minute, has God renounced his promises? Isn't he going to be faithful to his own word? You read the Old Testament, it sounds like he's going to do something with Israel, right? And that is, and I know this is a teaser, but that is coming up in Romans chapters 9 to 11. Uh, when are we getting that on, on Romans on? Tangled? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Uh, there'll be multiple seasons here, and it's not even planned for next season. So it'll 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 be out there a bit. You can read it on your own. I'm, you know, go ahead. But what that is going to be so fun to unpack with you all. I just can't even wait. But that's where that question is going to be dealt with head on. So let me kind of he the apostle Paul just kind of let you wait for that for just a little bit. Okay. Now. This brings up the, another question as we move into verse 5. He says this. He says, but if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly. So who's the our here? It, it could be everybody, but I think in the context of what we're reading, and remember, context is key. Uh, remember this. Our probably would refer to Jewish disobedience. If, I, if Jewish unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I'm using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Verse 8, why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result? Their condemnation is just. <laughs> it's quite a way to say that, huh? 
So the argument is this. Here's what he's saying in verses five to eight. He's saying, if I'm a sinner and I break God's laws, but God is awesome. He's awesome and holy and just. And so justice has to be served. And what's going to happen now because of my unrighteousness and my sinfulness is that God Almighty is actually going to do something about this to rectify the situation. He's going to do this and he's going to rectify it through Jesus Christ. The most amazing thing, the most greatest display of God's glory and power and justice and love and mercy. It's all displayed there. It's it's the most, the cross and the resurrection is the most beautiful event in all of human history. And the argument here Paul is saying is, wait a minute, if that actually comes about because we have sinned, all of us, Adam and Eve, starting there and going all the way through the Jewish nation and all the Gentiles and everybody, but especially the Jewish people, if all that happened and that brings this about, well, wait a minute now, why am I to blame, right? Why am I to blame then? I should be kind of applauded for being a sinner. <laughs> Let me give you an illustration. It's kind of like a guy who lights a fire in a massive apartment building, massive apartment building, right? Intentionally lighting a fire to an apartment building. Let's just say it's this apartment building that has a thousand people in it. And, and what happens then, it causes the, the authorities to say, we need a really good person to handle this. In fact, they bring in the greatest fighter fire of all time and he comes in and he is able to put out this fire, but in so doing, he actually loses his life, right? But the but he displays the greatest act of firefighting in the history of the world. And the arsonist is arrested and his, what according to what Paul's saying here, his defense is, wait a minute now, I just made that person look really good. Therefore, I'm I'm I shouldn't be I shouldn't be held accountable for the, the death of this person. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul's saying here. Yes, our sinfulness did bring about God's greatest acts ever. But no, that does not get us off the hook. Yes, there is great advantage in being a Jew. And we'll see that later in Romans 9 through 11. However, not for salvation, not for being right with God, not for being part of the family of God, the church, the people of God, the covenant community. No. Israel is a great case study of a people who had the law of God, not only on their hearts, but on tablets and scrolls. They had firsthand experience seeing the miracles of God. And and, and as we said, we already mentioned in the book of Exodus, they can't even last two months from getting the first word of God before they build a golden calf. They are a sinful people. They are a microcosm of all of us. We all are a sinful people. We all are Israel. Whether we are Jewish or Gentile, we all are building golden calves away from God. We have seen God do remarkable things, and we daily build golden calves. Oh, maybe they don't look as bad, but the things we put life in, the things we say, this will be my God, my 401k, a job, maybe some type of drug that makes me feel good. Maybe it's just entertainment like Netflix or social media. Crime, family, material possessions, hobbies, etc. You can just keep going on. We do it all the time. We are in deep trouble. And we are the problem. And no, 
We don't get a pass because this brought about the work of Jesus Christ. But as dark as this is, and believe me, on our last episode of season one happening next week, uh, before we take a break here for the summer, and it's going to get darker next week. It's going to get real dark in chapters three, verses nine to verse 20. It's going to get super dark. God is so good. That what, what Paul's doing here is painting an absolute dark, 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 dark picture so that when you see the light, it will, it will be so majestic and so beautiful when we begin season two. And I encourage you to read ahead in chapter three about what Jesus Christ actually accomplished. Jesus is so sweet and so necessary. As I said, join us next week for the last episode of our first season uh, as we unpack more about who we are as people apart from Christ and how much we need Christ. And be sure to check out the bonus episode uh, being released sometime next week on Genesis 1 to 11. Have a great week and thanks for listening.